Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. Right, this week on the podcast, I've got Nicky Lockett, also known as MC Tunes. He's a rapper and DJ who fronted 808 State for a, a while. As well as that, he's done his solo stuff and he's done stuff with a band called Duck Junkies. So we're going to get into all of that. Um, but before we do that, what life was like for a young MC Tunes growing up? Um, I would imagine it was uh, pretty much the same as growing up on the garbles. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, council estate. Well, no, actually, when I was born, I was born in the 70s, so we grew up in, um, like, one-bedroom terraced houses in Moss Side. Um, no bathroom, outdoor toilet. You know, we had a public swimming baths at the end of the street where you do all your laundry and get all your sort of hot water from. If you right. hot water, um, you'd have to um, boil it, basically. Um, and these pictures of me... I think he's on me. My man passed away a few years back, but on her Facebook profile, it's still up. Of me and my cousin Stella standing in massive clay plant pots in the kitchen while my man poured water on our head to give us a shower. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was. Uh, it was poor. We were poor, but you know, I was loved. I was never abused. Never fucked with. Um, yeah, man, it was like you know. Can't really grumble. I know people got fucking grew up worse than me, mate. Uh-huh. But yeah, you know. What what was it like? Was it was it rough? More side, obviously it kinda gets a a bit of a rip. Um, well, I mean, until I mean you gotta you gotta think like, you know, when it got the reputation of being rough, um, it was probably around nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty one. When the heroin basically took fucking ninety percent of the men out, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. My dad, amongst them, and my uncle Stuart, amongst the people, you know what I mean, dying of a uh, heroin overdose and heroin related uh, problems. That's uh, is the same up and down. Well, I say up and down the country, kind of for the yeah. north north of England upwards. Obviously, at this time we had Thatcher in. She kind yeah. of the the same. Where I stay, obviously, we had a steelworks that was shut down, and that was again kind of like the biggest employer in the area. So, yeah, you do these people out of work, um, yeah, and poverty, and that's what happens. You turn to drugs yeah. and alcohol and stuff like that. So, I know, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you know, my dad was probably one of the first, my dad was a heroin addict in 1978. Mm-hmm. And he, he, you know, and, and and the psychology behind that is just so fucking weird because um, he didn't know he was a heroin addict. So him and me, him and him and my godfather used to sort of bring back bits of weed from India right, back in the seventies. Made a lot of money. Um, and what happened basically over time is, uh, you know, why did you fucking? Take this over. Have you tried this? Yeah, heroin. So you know to um to buy and sell heroin, you need somebody to test it. So you're talking 1977, 1978. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, obviously, my dad and his friends were the guys who did that, brought it over, 
So, you know, when the first drought hit, my dad went into withdrawals. He didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. He didn't know what it was. Nobody knew. Nobody yeah. had an idea what heroin was. Before that, it was like, oh, yeah, speed. They go all fucking night. You know, Valium, oh, all day, mate. You know, one of them. Um, so come 1980, come 1981, it, it was rough. Um, I was sort of, my dad had left. My uncle was on it. All his mates were on it. You know, a couple of young guys that, that you know, a couple of years older than me were on it. You know what I mean? And I didn't see any sort of awareness about it until 1985, which was that Grain Jill shit. Yeah, yeah. Just say Damn. no. That shit from uh, who sang Just Be Good To Me, whatever the name is. I forget what her name is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beats International Bird. And... Uh, but by then it was like, you know, the crack had hit in, you got violent, you know what I mean? About 1984, the crack started. I, I was there, I watched it all, you know what I mean? My uncle thought he could get off heroin by smoking crack. That's how <laughs> that's how early it was for me, to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I never, I never, I've never took heroin, you know what I mean? I like, I like, you know, I like a party. I like to, you know, I like to party. But, um, no, um, I've got a dreaded fear of anything opiate-related. It's fucking... Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, so... But, you know, up until... All that side, I was loved. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was only until I got into my teenage years where things started going downhill a bit. But um, I always had lots of family around me, whether it was my mum. My dad died when I was 16 or whether it was my grandma or one of my uncles that weren't on heroin, something <laughs> <laughs> like that. Uh, but, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of happy memories of being, you know, sort of three, thirty. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I got, I got into a bad accident when I was nine. I nearly died when I was nine. Right. Well, I, mean, I nearly yeah. died like three or four times. It's comical. It's fucking Jesus. insane. What, what was that? What happened to you? So, um, it's a strange story, because, uh, but yeah, so I was nine, I was having, and we all used to have to build our own bikes, right, because we were poor, and uh, it, it fixed cogs were all the rage. I don't know if you know what a fixed cog bike is. No, I'm not sure. Well, in Man well, in Manchester, they were a big fucking deal, so you'd have, like, massive big bullhorns, right? Mm-hmm. Like, big, long, long fucking handlebars and the cog would be fixed so you wouldn't be able to pe pedal backwards if you pedal backwards you'd stop the back wheel right and that was your brake so there was no brakes there was that it was fixed cog and i had a race with me mate and I've, uh, we've gone down this street it's like a main road at the bottom and i've gone too far tried spinning it and just ended up fucking head on with a double decker bus <laughs> uh, yeah, man, and um, you know, it, it basically, I got absolutely wiped out. I was in a coma for about two months. Um, but the funny thing is, one of the guys that I work with now, I've been working with over the last ten years, a guy called Vince Vince Vega. We were having a conversation about two years ago, and he went, "Wait, what?" He went, "Was that you?" <laughs> and I went, "What do you mean?" He said, "Fucking Nicky, I seen you being pulled out from under the bus." Because he was on, he was playing with his mate on the street, 
right. I was playing with my mate on the street, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just fucking one of them. And all sorts of weird little... Yeah. I think, I think I'm supposed to be here for a reason. You know, it's got to that point now, 53. Right? Yeah. And I nearly died, I swear to God, I nearly died about fucking eight months ago. So, oh. <laughs> I'm at this club, and we've just done a gig, and I'm stood... It's like a, a, a rose, you know, like metal stairs leading up to the DJ box with, with a metal banister with like bars in it. And, you know, with a good way up. And I've seen somebody I've known and I've tried leaning over the banister to tap him and he'd moved. So I've gone too far and I'm literally, honest to God, I must have been about 18 foot. Jesus. Uh, in the air, right? And I've leaned and I've gone, I've literally gone over the banister and I've done this and everything slows down for some reason with me. And I've done this thing. I've gone, Nikki, you're going to fake you falling your head. And I, I was literally upside down with my arms over like one of them fucking pirouette things you do when you were a kid. Yeah. Over the fences where you'd go head first, flip your legs over, yeah. land on your feet, right? And I've done that. And I've done flips over, and I swear to God, I shit you not. This is, I would, I, I, I don't tell lies. <laughs> it was like fucking Ace Ventura, pet detective me. I've gone over, come right round, full circle, and landed in between a, a guy and a girl talking. Jesus. You're lucky you didn't land on them as well, because you're a big bit. <laughs> yeah, not me, right between them, like a glove. That detective shit, mate. Oh, man, it blew my fucking mind. And he didn't have a camera facing that way. And and, and, and things like that, like, I mean, happened to me a lot. So I'm getting to that stage in my life now where it's like, right, well, I've got less time left than I had fucking 20 years ago. I, I think I'm here for a reason. I know it sounds dodgy, and I'm not. I don't actually, oh, I'm here for a reason, but, man, I've been this close to getting killed. And it's after the bus accident, it is like, you know, it's like everything just slows down. Yeah. And I can start seeing, you know what I mean? See things coming and, yeah, fell off roofs, scaffolding, been hit by cars, fucking, somebody tried stabbing me. It was weird, yeah, just like this close to death. But, you know, what are you going to do? But, yeah. Um, so what was um, school life like then, like high school? What was, obviously, uh, during the times, you didn't really have much plans. There wasn't much work about what, what were you thinking? Where well, were you when thinking I was, when I was younger, younger, when I was younger and I lived in my side of Rochelle, um, basically it's on Claremont Road, so Manchester Six football ground facing my primary school. Mm-hmm. So they had junior blues and all that, real big connection with them. Well, unfortunately, I was a United fan because my dad was from Hull and he was a United fan. So I was a United fan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I've got a sort of... All my mates are City fans and they're all whinging fucking crybabies, by the way, mm-hmm. City fans. Half my family is City. I'm a Red. Their Blues, I'm a Red. So, yeah, it was a bit, you know, it was a bit touch and go there, certain things, but... By the time I got into, um, like, upper school, 
Um, when I was at, I think it's like 11 or something, you go, um, or 10, something. Anyway, it was like, you know, it was bad because everybody's parents were either on heroin, selling heroin. And, it, you know, I mean, it was like, yeah. it was, you know, everybody was sort of touched by it. So the whole, it wasn't, it wasn't fun to be at school. I was poor, so I always had, like, the worst fucking school uniform on. So the first, say, six months of big school was a bit rough. But you just got to fucking, you know, you've got to start headbutting bullies and hope for the best, mate, you know what I mean? And that's how yeah. it was for, like, the first year of upper school. I had a couple of scraps, one with, like, a, a second year who was bullying everyone. And I fucking had a real barn burner with him. Uh, and, and thankfully won that fight um, and sort of got left alone after that, you know what I mean? But, you know, school was just somewhere to go to get a dinner. Yeah. And then you know that's what I mean? A I mean, the... school dinner, I mean, school dinners with it, that was, a, you, a, you know what I mean? You need and that's if you're talking like you know? the 70s and the 80s. And then you, you look at, no, twenty twenty three, and Marcus Rashford's been doing all that for school yeah. dinners. So you think what, what's changed in all the years? Nothing. No, I think I think um, I mean you know it's like school's worse now. I mean I've got I've got like four kids, but my youngest boy, he's lived with me since he was six months old. I got like uh, sole custody of him when he was six months old. He's seventeen now. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, he's just started college. Uh, he's doing really well at college. Um, he's making music as well. Just bought him a load of equipment for his birthday. Anyway, so um, yeah, the school. It was sort of it was tough back when I was, but for different reasons. It was we were poor. We had to walk to school. You know what I mean? Yeah, In the yeah. fucking piss. Come rain, come shine. It was a mile and a half walk through the middle of the shittiest place on earth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the teachers just didn't give a toss. They didn't give a fuck. The teachers did give you a dig. You know what I mean? If you if you if you got talked out of line, they just you know, you know, you'd smell alcohol on him. You know, they didn't give a fuck back then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, school's worse now. You know what I mean? Because it's run by activists. Yeah. And our kids now are like some sort of weird fucking, you know, experiment that the, that the, the, the fucking teachers' union are having. You know what I mean? And all that became really evident during lockdown. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, the sort of weird bits of... Um, Politics, they tried slipping in underneath the door. I mean, I had absolute murders with his school. And I sent him to a Church of England school, which had the best rating, because uh, I wanted him to be around people that had good values, right? You know, it's not a race thing. It's not a religious thing. It's just, I didn't yeah. want him to go to a public school because I wanted him to avoid, little did I know, that fucking Church of England had just bought right into it so every single, like, comprehensive public school in Manchester, you know what I mean, because it's a Labour city anyway, man, it's just one big fucking activism wet dream. 
You know what I mean? It's an activist yeah. wet dream. None of them know what they're talking about. None of them have a fucking... They really are dumb. It's like you've got a couple at the top that are, you know, on the ball, know what they're doing. And, and you know, they're, they're, you know, it's the, you know, it's the union policy that they're pushing. And then they've just got a bunch of fucking mindless, weird activists that actually don't know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? When your son comes home from school going, Yeah. Is, is it, it, you know, if you don't, you know, is, is you know, I got caught, you know, because I said I don't like the Muslim, I got called the racist. I said, great. Oh, he got called the racist anyway, because he didn't like the idea of uh, women being covered head to toe. It was a conversation you would have it in the fucking classroom, by the yeah. way. And these you are the sort of conversations that, that, that kids need to be having. Yeah, but when they turn around and call you a racist, because you don't think it's fucking right, or you think it's women shouldn't should be allowed to these these this fucking woman basically said you can't do that, that's racist. And so I had to go in and say, listen, for the start, religion is not a fucking race. Yeah. Right? So don't get it twisted. And if you want to talk about fucking slavery, how far do you want to go back? <laughs> do you want to go back to the Moors? where the word fucking slave was invented because it's short for Slav. Just look it up. These are the sort... So when... <laughs> I don't know why somebody that wouldn't know them fundamentals would be teaching a class on religious education. It was uh, very segregated, very race-based. All of them saying, oh, no, it's not, no, it's not. You know, we're divert, but they're not really. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? The whole BLM thing went fucking lockdown and the BLM thing, man, it just it just opened my eyes to what you know schools are about, especially labor run city schools. And I've lived in a labor city all my life, mate, and it is fucking ridiculous. The shit the teaching kids. It is just outrageous, mate. And how fragile and weird the teachers are when you ask when when you when you hold them to account, you know what I mean? How how sort of burst into tears and start going, oh, I feel unsafe. Literally, it's not just a YouTube video. I'm telling you, they've done it in front of me, mate. They yeah. tried convincing me my son was autistic, and I went right. Look, I said, what is it? He went, well, he won't talk to anyone. I went, okay. He went, he likes to sit on his own. I went, okay. Um, and he doesn't really try in class. Uh, okay, we want to give him a, a whatchamacallit test, an artistic fucking tech chart test. I said, uh, no. So the reason he's like that is because he doesn't fucking like you and he doesn't like this school. And everybody's bullying everybody. Everybody's, all the kids have gone absolutely insane, by the way, with all sorts of crazy, you know, just rampant bullying by boys and girls. And, you know, there's an emphasis of not fighting back. You shouldn't hit somebody no matter what, but they don't, they don't rein in the aggressive nature of the kids, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I have the same arguments with yeah. kids' schools. You know? The thing is, when you look at the teachers as well, they're all so young. Yeah. They all look as if they're barely... None of them have got kids. Yourself. None of them have got kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's it's crazy, man. Crazy. So yeah. So school now is worse than when I was there. Even though when school, when I was at school, 
it was like a fucking, you know what I mean? It was more like a bar stuff, more like a youth offenders. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you know, you had to walk in line, you know, all that shit, keep your side buttoned up, all that bollocks. You'd get a clip if you weren't there, if you missed, didn't have your kit, didn't, you know, you know, there was a specific kit, not some sort of wear what you want day. You know what I mean? So it was like a young offenders to, compared to now. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it's like on, you know, it's on the other side of the fucking Rubicon, the way it is now. It's gone, man. It's, out, it, it's just insane. It's gone so far left. It's going to be right round to being right soon, you know what I mean? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, uh, oh, anyway, I could rant on all fucking day about this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get, I get you. So what about um, music? What was going on in music? Run about then, what, what was... What were you into? Were you into the rap music then? That sort of, um, I mean, rap music wasn't about when I was, you know, in the 70s, you had one or two, you had, you know, you had like, you know, obviously, last night my DJ saved my life, but I was more like in the 80s, late, early 80s. Mm-hmm. But I think Rapper's Delight got to number two in the charts around 1979. <laughs> so, yeah, I was really into it. And then I think the message got to number one. I remember it was one of the first times a video had ever been played on top of the pops because Grandmaster Flash couldn't make it, but he sent a video, that iconic video of him walking down the street doing, you know, fucking broken glass everywhere and all that. So, yeah, I was sort of into that, really liking it. But I think it was when Greg Wilson started doing um, the, the Electro series. Right. You know what I mean? Which would have been about 1983. And all the break dancing started and stuff like that. That's that's how I initially got into it, uh, into the music side of things. You know, that's I mean, the African Bombata, Mantronics, you know what I mean? Um uh-huh. Same early stuff. chat I had with, with Roy, Dan Man. He he kind of yeah. got into the break dance stuff as well. Yeah, it's got I've got a good story about him when when <laughs> when we get to that part. Um but yeah, it was that, and then I started doing. I think it was. I mean, the Fat Boys were out. Nineteen eighty one. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, Fat Boys, right? Yeah. Um, so I initially got into doing beatbox. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> that's our stuff fucking uh, Dougie Fresh and all that. And uh, by that time, I would have been around probably 12, 13, sort of fucking around with it, got into a breakdance crew, started travelling out, um, you know, and, you know, for, for, a, for one summer, we actually, you know, went and then, you know, got a bit of line, I want to get all blasted and put a fucking hat down and made a bit of money one summer. Better change, you know, dancing in the precincts and so on and so forth until the fucking council stopped it all. Um, yeah. so you know what I mean? mean? Yeah, fucking joke. And then um, I think it was... Yeah, so I lived. I used to live on the same estate as a guy called Gerald. Uh-huh. And, and across the road was... Uh, Kermit, well, not Kermit, but the two guys Kermit, using uh, the rap assassins. Uh-huh. Um, 
Jim is the guy from Black Group. Yeah, I've tried to get him on the podcast as well. He's made a come on. Yeah, I've, I've known I've known Kermit since I was fucking about eleven. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and fun and and also I grew up with Jeds Gerald. Uh huh. So it was it must have been around I was around fifteen, and you know Jeds has gone. Yo, man, I've just got fucking I've just got a new drum machine. Why don't we come round? Because I was also doing rap. That's how I got my nickname, Tunes. Because I could, I was rapping and beatboxing in little. I wanted. I had some guy do it on a, on a, one of the electro records, and I saw. Oh, I fucking like that. But I want you. I want you. My name is MC Tunes. That's hard shit, right? Yeah, yeah. And Jeds obviously went. Nah, fuck it. Come round to mine. Let's fuck around. Walked in, and he's got the Rolling Day 08 drum machine. Uh-huh. And that would have been around 1984, 1985. If I'm, I mean, you know, I'm shite with dates and names, but it's around then. So that drum machine just came back, obviously. I was talking to my mate about it last night. I was saying that you were coming on. Uh, he, he wasn't really aware of you, but when I said about 808, 808 yeah. State, he said... Um, the band's named after the greatest drum machine ever invented. So is that is yeah. that thoughts on it? That's that's where the name came from, Gerald's eight oh eight drum machine, because he was in the eight oh eight, you know, uh, in the in the beginning. We you know. And um so yeah, it sort of went from there, me and Jed's fucking around, doing little demo tapes and you know, going around town and fucking, you know. People just sort of hooking up, talking shit. We'd go to the record shop, spinning in Manchester, like the local record shop, uh, buy break beats and whatnot. Always looking for breaks. And um, a place called Eastern Block opened, Eastern Block Records opened mm-hmm. uh, in a place called Affleck's Palace in town. Yeah. And we heard that they were, they were looking for people to do white labels with. So me and Jeds have gone in. Um and I we did we did a white label. It's it's on YouTube. <laughs> it's, it's the worst. Oh, it's so fucking poor. But um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's really bad. But it's sort of uh, you know people liked it, man. They thought it was cool, and then I ended up doing a solo thing for a, a German compilation album, and the track's called "Dance Yourself to Death." By that time. Pacific State was out uh-huh. uh, on the Quadra State EP. Um, and obviously everybody knows Pacific State went to number one. Gerald left 808 State, uh, you know, uh, because, you know, certain things. Yeah. And he was in the right. He was in the right. You know what I mean? You know, he, he was he was in the right. To, to leave, he was in the right to sort of do what he did. And um, I then, because I was going, I was sort of touring and doing bits and bobs with 808 State Live, um, I ended up uh, going in and doing a track with them that was supposed to go on their album 90. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up, the record company went, right, this is fucking great. And I went, well, I want my own deal. So, and that's how I got a record deal with them to produce the North of its heights. Right. So it was, it was sort of like, 
pretty straightforward. But you've got to want it, you know what I mean? You've got to, like, go and face the music and turn up and, you know, even if you've never done it before, because I'd never done anything like that before, you know what I mean? We were doing fucking, you know, two-button record cassettes, me and Gerald, with one thing, just one wire, drum machine, and and, and scratch, you know, and a, a turntable for scratching. And that was it. So... It's like, and, and it's like, I would imagine it's like that for everyone to a certain extent. You know what I mean? You've sort of, you've got to go, right, okay. Well, you know, if you want to be a rapper, you better start going to clubs. And yeah. if you're young, you right. better start you waiting you outside. You just yourself in there, didn't you? Oh, yeah, you just Sank got to throw, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you're poor. Well, we were poor. So he was, you know, what else are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Unemployment was fucking massive in the 80s. Um you know, and it was uh, the days when a young guy could get his gold money, go to town, buy a couple of 12 inches, go home, you know what I mean? Fuck around on his little setup uh-huh. and come up with demo tapes because, you know, you, you, you got your dough, you know what I mean? And it was like you could sort of disappear. And I think that's what a lot of us did. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I was relatively young. The first record I made with Gerald, I was 15. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, I was 18, no, 19, when we recorded The Only Rhyme That Bites. And I'd, okay. had like three, I'd had like three different tracks out, various different qualities, of course. Yeah. But, you know, in that time, in that three-year time, so there was a lot of walking. You know what I mean? I remember walking, I mean, I walk from my side to the town centre, there and back, two, three times a day just to, like, see what was going on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Make sure that I was included in whatever was going on. You know what I mean? I was there, put my hand up first. Yeah, yeah, fuck it, I'll do that, I'll do that. Uh-huh. And then, <clears throat> because, you know, I, I, I sort of, I, I left home when I was 15. By the time I was 16, 17, I was hanging around the, the main club. Um, in town, which was Legends, and I got to know the doorman, and he used to fuck around and hang out, and they'd have like, um, under-18s nights and under-16s nights that I used to go to, you right. know what I mean? Um, and I ended up, you know, on the mic a few times, and, you know, you've just got, you've got, you've got to be able to do that shit. So many people you just, just don't get that, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't understand that. That's the job. That's yeah. that's that's the work that makes you find out if you actually want to fucking do this job in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I know a shitload of people that got all the way up to fucking doing a record deal, and their asses yeah. are just falling out. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd imagine it as as you say, sink or swim. It must be some buzz getting up and doing that, and that's when you, that's when you know. But it it's like having a fight. It's like it's like if you know, you know, it's like being a football, you know, a young footballer, and you've joined a team for the first time. You know what I mean? And you know you've got it, and you know you're better than most of them. But it's like you've got to prove yourself. So it's like that. It's that. You it, sink or swim, fight or flight. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, on, on a sort of emotional level, it's like having a scrap. You know what I mean? You know, 
the kid in, you know, the, the, the kid in front of you is, you know, the goal, you know, getting through that is the goal you've got to achieve. And it's scary. And yeah. having, you know, a hundred people looking at you when you're like 16 years old in a fucking nightclub hanging around trying to get on the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, like, like the Manchester music scene at this, at this point, obviously, at Manchester was blowing up. Uh, on the 808, 808 state, you done one tune splits of Atom, I think it is. Yeah. Um, is that, I'm pretty sure that's the one that samples Stone Roses, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What, that's correct, what, yeah. Was kinda, what was the relationship then with all, all these other kind of Manchester bands at that time? <laughs> well, I mean, you got to, you know, I was, I was about, I was only about, I was only 18, 19, you know what I mean, um, when we were doing that album. So, and I'm from my side. You know what I mean? So I didn't know it. I, I I didn't really know anybody. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of, of that on that side of things, but I did like the album, and I loved that track. I am the resurrection, and it was one of my favorite songs. Uh, still is one of my favorite, you know, uh, band songs. Um, and I just always I thought that sound great on a fucking hip hop beat. You know what I mean? And I think, um, you know, obviously by that time, 808 State had a few connections and they thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd never heard anything like it. Uh, but yeah, um, I basically just, you know, reached out and Manny said, yeah, can you listen to the track? And Manny went, yeah, use it. Use it, you can have it. Didn't even charge me any fucking publishing or anything. Right. Um, cool about it. Still friends with Manny to this day, um, and 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 that's how that came about. It was just my my hip hop head, yeah. You know it, what I mean? Because it, that's, it, that's it worked my... perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, obviously, you go to Stone Roses, you go to all that going on. Obviously, that's album. Yeah, the album came out in nineteen ninety, which got to number twenty six in the charts, which is quite a yeah. big deal at that point. Yeah. Um, so. What was the thoughts then? Did you think you were um, gone, gone places for then on? Well, I mean, I knew, you know, by then I'd sort of, you know, I knew that this is, you know, this is all I, this is, I'm going to be doing the basically music for the rest of my life because there was fuck all else I could do. Um, and to be honest with you, after the first album, I went off to try and record a second album, which was more hip hop based. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really see much of 808 State for, you know, pretty much a couple of, you know, about, say, 92. Yeah. Um, and by that time, by 92, I think I'd... I'd um... You did a single with Gerald, didn't you? You brought a, a single with a guy called Gerald, 92. Yeah. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Maybe I might have done. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure. I, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I was doing sort of, but I was recording an album called Damage by Stereo. Uh huh. Um, which was supposed to be my second album, which is basically um, 
like fucking a hip hop thing. And I was sort of three quarters of the way through doing that. And I ended up fucking getting arrested on an attempted murder charge, <laughs> um, which was like, you know, I've got, I got, I got, you know, all not guilty. It was fucking, it was like a six month trial. I spent a shitload of dough. Um, I got, you know, found not guilty, which clearly it was. It was a, a self-defense thing. Mm-hmm. And it was two of them, one of me. They just ended up in fucking intensive care. And I didn't, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, they then went ahead with the, you know, suing, you know, let's get him arrested. You know, we want money sort of thing. And why do you think that was? What? Why? Why were they sent to you? Is it because they knew you were in the music industry? And yeah, yeah, they were from my estate. They were from the from the estate that I was living on at the time. Because, like I said, I was just I was back and forward from London recording the second album, and um, you know, I had, you know, there was no time to move or anything like that. And I was coming home with my girlfriend at the time, a girl called uh, Annette, black girl. And these two guys just started fucking giving it loads of shit on the bus. Because uh, back then, you know, you weren't getting picked up by taxis in town, especially if, you know, you look like me and my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So we'd always just walk down and get the bus. Because we literally lived, you know, fucking a minute's walk from the bus stop. Uh, and these guys just started, you know, giving me loads of shit, talking shit to my girlfriend. Now, as we got close to the house, I said to her, right, go on, get in, run, you run. And I can remember him getting closer and closer to me. And I managed to get to the back gate. And uh, the guy, Noel, he was in the track primary rhyming. A young kid called Noel was at the back door. I said, throw me the bat. And he threw me the bat. And as I got the bat, they were like pretty much running at me. He booted me dog ran at me, and I've just fucking wiped the pricks out, me. i just done them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, you know, I had to phone an ambulance for one of them because <laughs> he <laughs> was gone. Um, and then, like, a couple of days later, uh, I think it was, I'd just opened a record shop in Leicester, get back to my side, and um, the fucking I get arrested for attempted murder. Spent, like, I think it was, like, two or three months in fucking... CDC, because they wouldn't give me bail. Because mm-hmm. they knew me. You know what I mean? They knew me, they knew my family. Um, the police were just being twats about it. And then, um, yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. So after that, I'm like three quarters of the way doing the second album, and ZTC dropped me. Because of that then? Just because of the heat on that? Well, I mean, you know. Yeah. There was no, there was no reason, you know. what I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really in breach of contract. They just used used that as a gateway. Yeah, and also because, like I say, I was in, I was, I was three quarters of the way through doing the album, and I was, you know, I was sniffing for me. I've just spent a load of dough trying to stay out of jail, and I wanted my second advance, which would have been double what the first advance was. Mm-hmm. There was no eight oh eight state this time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that money would have been mine. Mm-hmm. And I think that had a lot to do with it. You know what I mean? Um, I think that would be... 
you know, just sort of the baseball bat thing and, you know, them sort of things, well, fucking, he's going he's gonna to make out like a bandit here. You yeah. know what I mean? They just, yeah, somebody just said, no, no, we're not going to pick up the second album. So um, we, want you to, again. we want you to record it all again. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, you know what I mean? And that's where I said, well, I'm not going to record it all again because you owe me fucking money. Give me the money and I'll go and do it. He went, no. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, they just went, right, well, we can't carry on. I went, right, well, fucking, I'd just come through the fucking shit of my life, you know what I mean? And I just went, right, well, you can all fucking suck me dick. I'd rather go back to fucking drug dealing, fuck you. Which it obviously didn't, but that's that was me. That was me. That was me feelings at the time. I was really fucking upset. You can actually get that album now. Yeah, well, um, we well that's what I was going to go. So I mean, at that point, then you you basically thought the album's done. <laughs> Nobody's hearing this music, and then yeah. cut daily. Well, I saw, yeah, I sort of stayed out of music. I was out of the music game for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I uh, had a couple of kids. Uh, to two different women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's like four different kids, four kids to four different women. I'm a winner. <laughs> so, and then um, basically I was fucking around, trying to get a few things going, working with people, but I was sort of blacklisted. Do you know what I mean? Nobody wanted to work with me. Um, you know, um, and there was a couple of reasons for that. I can't really go into um, but, you know, it was condescending voices, people with access to grind. Uh, and me being a stubborn cunt and not, you know, I'm not going to fucking know, man. You're not doing me a favour. I don't want your favours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to be part of your clique. I don't want to be part. I don't want to be your friend. I just want to do me, you know, let me do me thing. You know what I mean? And it was like a lot of snobbery went on. A lot of drugs were involved, a lot of bullshit. And funnily enough, most of them fucking industries and outfits are all gone now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I get a phone call off a guy called Johnny G. Um, and he went, what are you up to? I said, fuck all, really? He went, well, come down to Moonraker. Let's have a chat. So I knew Johnny from my early days, the breakdance days, because I was in a crew called Rock the House. Right as a rapper and beatboxer and that was Johnny J's he was the DJ in it so he just had a big success with the cookie um, cookie collective urban cookie collective yeah yeah, yeah I've got the I've got a secret he just done an album with them he'd done really good well successful with them he'd uh, bought up this place in Longside called Moonraker he'd also he, he also did the where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> Big, you know, six-foot black guy dreadlocks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Johnny G. And we got talking. Um, I I was like, well, I don't really work. You know, I wouldn't mind doing some of this, this, you know, funk rock shit. And we just started making samples, fucking around. And then it was like, okay, you know, I think we need a, I think we need a guitar player. And it was like, oh, I think we need a drummer. And there was like, oh, I think we need a bass player. And then, oh, I think we need a DJ. Boom, dust junkies. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And it was all sort of, you know, put together around this little studio 
in um, it's not there anymore. It's called something else now. It's a fucking shame. Called Moonraker Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we we ended up doing Dust Junkies. Had great success with Dust Junkies. Um, but you know that sort of came to a halt. We're pretty much the same sort of fucking stunt. You know what I mean? Um, you know, second album. You know, we've we've sort of spent up. We're waiting on, and I, I, it was one of them. I seen it coming. Um, we had a big VAT bill, so we had to pay wages, and I sort of paid wages with the VAT bill, and fucking somehow record company caught wind of it, cancelled the tour that we were doing in Europe for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and. And went, right, well, we need money to pay off the VAT bill, otherwise we're going to have to liquidate. You know, it's just audible, just audible record company one-on-one bullshit, right? And then it's dangled the singles deal in front of you. No, motherfucker. You you owe me 240 grand Mm. for a second album, and I'd just give you eight songs. And I know, you know what I mean? We've got more in the pipe, so and that happened and um, the situation with a few people I just fucking, I felt dirty mate, I felt fucking, I just felt like they want me to beg they want me to crawl on my fucking hands and knees and I just told him, rather eat cat shit with a knitting needle and I walked away from it all and it's upsetting, to be honest with you, because it felt like, and I've said, I've, I've used this analogy before, you know, you've been in love, you fell in love when you were 15, fell in love when you were 13, you've been in love with the same thing and the same woman forever. You've treated her with respect. You've been successful. And when you need her, you, you find out that she's a dirty whore, full of AIDS and been fucking shagging everything behind your back for the yeah. whole time. And nothing she said was real. And it fucking broke me heart, man. Broke mm-hmm. me heart. And I just, I just walked away from everything for about, oh God, a good fucking, a good four years. I went mental. I mean, I, at this point as mental. well, you had um, fun loving criminals doing remixes as well, didn't you? So, mm-hmm. You are obviously highly thought of. Yeah, yeah, we 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 were we were a we were a great band. It was a great band. We had great fan base. This is pre-internet though. You've got to understand this as well. Uh-huh. There was no fucking YouTube, so you know everything. The fan base was run through then, mm-hmm. and they cut me off from it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. When that's is a hand. I mean, all these guys that. Yeah, and yeah. they're so powerful and oh, man. Hey, your life's in you know, their the hands. The Dust Junkies, hey, listen, mate, the guy who signed the Dust Junkies is the most powerful man in the music business. Mm-hmm. He's called Lucian Grange, mate. Right. Lucian Grange. You research that fucking name and you'll know how powerful that guy is. And this was before he became powerful. And he fucking robbed me blind. He stole two fucking, two, two songs off me, skanked me out the fat boy Slim Money, for fucking 10 years, right? Because he's a dirty, rotten bastard. And he fucking skanked me the Bon Jovi thing. You've got to look into that as well. That was a whole fucking, Jesus Christ, that's a whole new one. 
So, so living in a right, so living in a pocket of a drug queen, right? Uh huh. Was the first dust junkie song uh, that we put out uh, under Polydor, but I got sent to mix it in New York at John Bon Jovi's dad's studio with a guy called Jason Casaro, which was he was signed to uh, Polydor, Lucian Grange. Went out there and mixed it. Came back. I had a meeting with Lucian Grange where he told me, no, you know what, Nicky? I think we could get a better mix out of this. Have you ever heard of a guy called Bob Power? And I went, fuck yeah, I've heard of Bob Power. He's just mixed the fucking Tribe Called Quest album. Huh? Uh-huh. But yeah, I think you should go out there and do it with him. So I did. I guess back to England about six, six months later, and I'm walking through fucking Polydor, and Lucian Grange's stood in Lucian Grange's uh, assistant, some other guy stood in a room listening to us, listening to Bon, jo- bon Jovi's new album. And I've said to Johnny, "Have you fucking heard that?" And he went, "No way." We walked in this room. He said, "Who's that on there?" And he fucking went white. He went, "Oh, oh it's Bon Jovi." And I went, "I've just fucking been and recorded." Stormed straight into Lucian's fucking room. Uh-huh. He was he was um able to fucking tell me, you know, don't worry about it, we'll get it sorted, so on and so forth. And this was about fucking this was about eight months before they actually I, I left. You know what I mean? So it was like you want to listen to the song, it's called uh, Dancing with the Queen of New Orleans. And it was I don't think it was on the UK album. Right. That's how sneaky, sneaky fucking bastards. Anyway, his album, his album, I think that track got to number fucking 10 in the American charts. Dust Junkies was never released in America. You know what I mean? It never went out in America. See, so, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. The Bon Jovi, I know, obviously, I was aware of the... Um, Fat Boy Slim. But that wasn't but... Fat Boy Slim's fault. That's Lucian Grange. Again? I did the deal with him. He was supposed to tell PRS which bank accounts the money went into. That's a fucking record company's job. So what was That's he doing? Was, was he coming off the money for himself? Yeah, of course. Well, somebody was. He was going somewhere, you know, losing out on fucking 120 grand. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking big blow. And I mean, you... I could I, I could have saved my 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 I could have put the album out my I could have put do you understand? Yeah. They fucking hobbled me, man. And it was like, when you think about it all together, it's like, yeah, man, I'm going to rub this little white boy blind and then I'm going to drop him. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to cut him off and he's gonna, I'm not going to be able to do fucking nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, so I went bonkers, like I said. Music became a dirty hole. I was heartbroken for around four years. Um. And I had fucking murders. I was oh murders. Um, I'll put it shit. So I was living on this raw flats. Four doors down, this guy was banging this chick. This guy just robbed the bookies across the road. Police are out looking for him. My door's open. They get my door mixed up with his fucking door. I'm in there after partying all fucking weekend. I'm selling a bit of weed. Got a big line of Charlie out. It's fucking 12 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Do you know what I mean? 
and it's fucking tyrants in my house telling me, room full of people, telling me, lie down, lie down, and punch me. So I spun his fucking jaw, <laughs> knocked, him, knocked him clean out, and I grabbed him, and I'm trying to pull him down out, so I'm in a, like a cottage flats. There's a hallway and a row of stairs in the front door. So I'm thinking, get this fucking guy out of your living room. Get him out. Get him out. You don't know. And I felt a bulletproof vest. Or what uh-huh. I thought was a bulletproof vest. And I, So I'm thinking, who the fuck is this? Right, Nicky, what have you done? You know what I mean? And it's like, as I got to the top of the stairs, I felt banged. Boom, think, and I've just grabbed everyone and jumped down the stairs. And I thought, you can scramble and get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. I've hit the deck, I've looked up and seen all the police looking at me. <laughs> and I went, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I knew I was going to get a kick in. Do you know what I mean? I've had it, I know the police. Yeah. And they kicked the fucking shits out of me. So bad, and it was they tried doing it for police. So anyway, they got thrown out. The fucking you know they wanted to take me to Crown Court and all that. But um, because I was pleading not guilty, and I'm like, no fuck this. You know, what I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been in this situation before, and I and know how, that you're allowed to fight back. How did it? How did it expect somebody to react when when that happened. Yeah, he thought he was arresting a fucking... He thought he was King Don him. He shouldn't have even been in the flat. No yeah. policeman runs in a fucking thing like that on his own. But he knew who he was looking for. And, he, you know what I mean? And that guy probably would have just got on the fucking floor. So he's seen yeah. me. His head's fell off. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all gone pear-shaped. <laughs> he gets kicked out of court anyway. Um, before, you know what I mean? I, I remember going to Crown Court and it was like, look, we're not going, you can't, there's nothing here, fucking send him home. And he hated me for that. That was it. So I got raided and fucking beat up by the police because I was selling a bit of weed, you know what I mean? Nothing big. Um, And yeah, man, they fucking harassed me and then I got this bird pregnant. Shit like that was going on. Um, and then I ended up taking Dante away uh, when he was like a little baby mm-hmm. uh, and ended up with custody for him. And it was like, right, Nicky, you gotta get your shit together. And it like a good, he was like, it was a good another few years of me living in a flat with a fucking baby, night feeds, changing nappies on me bill. Nobody there to help me. Do you know what I mean? My mum was helping out a bit, but she lives on the other side of fucking Manchester. Uh-huh. Um, and the police were still taking the piss, mate. There was fucking one guy tried, a couple of guys tried robbing me because the police smashed the door off so many fucking times. I didn't even have a front door dread. I didn't even have a front door. It was hot. It was kind of... Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some guys fucking, I've heard the door go, and my first reaction is, oh, it's no, no fucking police again, man. About 12 o'clock at night. So I've got curtains up because the draft from the door, so I've got curtain on top of the stairs. You've got stairs going down to the front door, and the lights are off because Dante's sleeping. I'm 12 months old at this point. Mm-hmm. 
And I walked, I've got, I've go and find the axe and show you the axe in a minute. <laughs> and I looked, I pulled the curtain back, so it must have been pitch black for them. But I can see the light coming in from the door. There's only a guy walking up his fucking stairs with a fucking axe in his hand, man. Yeah. And I've gone, like I say, shit slows down, right? So I just chucked the axe out of his hand and fucking headbutted him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's yeah. I felt him do that. And I've just launched him. Some other guy was coming up the stairs. He's seen his mate. He's gone like that. His mate fucking crumbled in an heap. He's turned around, legged it. I'm on a tag. So I can't chase the cunt. Mm-hmm. This other guy's like wrapped up in my mountain bike. And I've just... He said something like, I'll fucking do, you know, whatever, I'll do you or something. And I'm just going, oh, yeah. So I flipped the axe around and just cracked him in the kneecap. Said, well, yeah. The noise that boy made was fucking hilarious, mate. It was funny. I mean, it wasn't funny at the time, but if I tried if I tried imitating the voice, you'd laugh. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not being horrible. It's just what happened. I remember thinking to myself, Shit, Nicky, you don't want a fucking dead body in your hallway. You've got a baby upstairs. Mm-hmm. I, and it was like, even though I stopped hustling. You're still getting the hassle. Yeah. And it was that point where I've gone, right, Nicky, you need to stop. <clears throat> and I just stopped. The police eventually ended up leaving me alone because it was like the third time they'd been around and not found anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, stood there with a fucking baby in my hand, like, what are you going to do? You're going to fucking nick me for a joint in my ashtray. I'm telling you, man. You know what I mean? There's nothing here. Leave me the fuck alone. So they ended up just leaving me alone. Um, and that police station got closed, actually. About a year later, the, the, the Collier's police station, they shut it down. Um, so... And by so it was one of them basically. I just had to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And by the time he was about three, doing little bits of little bits of DJing and just little things that I could, but I was living basically living on benefits, just uh-huh. child benefit. What is it? What year would that be? Uh, so he's 17 now, like 2006, right? 2007. So at what point then did you? Obviously, Fat Boy Slim, that album had, that album was at what, mid-90s, late-90s? Yeah. So, at what point did you then think, hold on a minute, I must be due some money back when, like, yeah. where's these well, releases? Yeah, so I had to start all over again. So, it was, uh, basically, I had, to, I had to get in contact with PRS. So, all sorts of fucking dodgy shit that had gone on. Start getting my royalties paid back to me uh, into my bank account. Um, it was, you know, a little bit of backdating shit, which helped me out, kept me going. Um, and then from there, um, when he was about four, three or four, I could start leaving him at my mum's for the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I had the weekends back to myself. So I started DJing again, just so I could get back into the groove figure out what was working. So that was a little bit of money. And basically, it was like that. Uh, and then I started doing uh, a project called The Ugly Project, which kind of fell apart. 
all sorts of daft reasons. One of them being, yo, man, you think you want to be a fucking star, but you really don't want to be a star. Do you know what I mean? Nerves, people just, you know, it's cool when you stood at home with a brush in front of the fucking mirror, giving it that, and your mum's going, oh, you got a lovely voice. Yeah, wait, you try walking out on stage, go back that shit up, people fall apart. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of that in this business as well. Um, so that happened, and a guy that I was working with with the 808 State stuff was a, a video guy called Howard Warmsley, and he'd been taking little bits of clips and claps of me over the years, and, and even with the Dust Junkie thing, over the years, bits and bobs, ding, ding, ding. So he's just kind of got in touch and says, look, I'm just going to put it out as an art film. Do you want to do some videos of you sort of looking at the footage, talking shit, whatever? So if you go to dustjunkies.com mm-hmm. and go to the video section, there's a documentary up there called Nish Klish Banging, uh-huh. uh, the MC Tunes Tapes, which is it's like a 45-minute, 55-minute documentary of this stuff I'm talking about now. So from there, uh, I did a, an art house thing, Q&A, and uh, a black guy walks up to me called Rude, and he's a, he's like the music lawyer, big music lawyer, independent music lawyer in Manchester. He's like, you know, he helps out. Uh, Sean Ryder get his money from Factory. And he just went, look, I've heard about this fat boy Slim shit. I'm going to look into it. We'll do it on a, you know, retainer thing where, you know, he gets whatever, whatever, if we win. And I went, right. And then three years later, you know what I mean? They were like, okay, you know what I mean? They had to settle me. I mean, I, I lost out on so much money, man. Yeah. <laughs> and now, basically, you know, if it fucking gets played on the radio, used in a film, they've got to ask me. I've got to clear it. Um, and I get 25% instead of the 7% now. So yeah. it's kind of a little bit of money coming in. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a massive difference, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. So there's that. And which, so I was able to, from there, with um, with Rudy, open Wikibeats, like a own little label, online label, and I've just been putting stuff out. I've, I've sort of done a redone and dusted version I've done and dusted, remastered, mm-hmm. loads of new tracks on it, um, and um, like unreleased stuff. And uh, I've done like a series. Uh, I put that out. That's that's doing our people love it. It sounds so much fucking better. Um, you can get that on on Spotify and whatnot. Redone and redust, redone and dusted. I think it's called. I'm yeah. so fucking. I'm terrible. Yeah, but it's last. And then these, uh, I sort of I've been doing uh, like EPs under a Dust Junkie Collective banner, which is just me practicing songs that I want to put together to do an album. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Of like Dust Junkie based stuff, um, house um, techno based stuff, hip hop based stuff. And so I do a nice big fucking independent good album, um, you know. And, and put that out. That's that's the sort of the goal that I'm working towards. And until then, I've I've just got to try and, you know, build the infrastructure. And you know, so if anything, I can just do it myself. 
You know what I mean? You know, yeah. it'd be good to have a little distribution deal with somebody who knew what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but like, you know, that's the thing with me. I'm not afraid. So I don't mind putting stuff out that ain't, you know, I need to know where I'm at. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And I'll stand by my work and I, I need a, I, I, I want to see my history and, and go back and understand where I went right and where I went wrong mm-hmm. musically. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's one of my things that I've always done. Fuck it, put it out. Who gives a fuck? I'll get shot my lapping, whether it's a negative or a positive. It's all part and parcel of how you gauge yourself. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I've just been doing that and I've been fucking loving it. Been absolutely loving it, mate. Mm-hmm. Doing obviously, my own thing, loving it. Obviously, like we touched on the your album that didn't get released. And then it get yeah. the, obviously twenty four years with Peter, yeah, yeah. Peter Hook put it out and has Hacienda Records. So what was it? How did how did that come about? Did he approach you? No, um, basically a guy. Uh, he's a, 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 a is it Preston University up here. It's like um, they've got like a a music course there. You know, big one by a guy called Tony Rigg. He's a professor there, and um. He sort of, he, 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 he was, he seen the, how did I meet Tony now? Right, yeah, so that was sort of through the documentary thing that I told you about, that's on the Dust Junkie website. Uh-huh. And um, he sort of reached out to me and I'd done a couple of little tracks with him on his thing called The Laboratory Project. And I've done like a couple of um, just I, I remember being, I think I've done like two tracks on two of his um, uh, compilation albums. And what he'd done is that he's tied in this laboratory project as in part of his course that he that he teaches. So he 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 was putting out compilation albums with people, but also his students would get an opportunity to do the marketing and design and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got in contact with me and I did a couple of things with him and we were sat chatting away in the kitchen uh, and I've opened up the cupboard and he's seen all the fucking half-inch tapes. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like 25 years old. And he's gone, close the thing and talking to me. He said, what were they? So I went, oh yeah, they're the fucking, that's damaged by stereo. Never come out. So we came up with this whole thing. He made it part of his course, and it was like a like a thing that we did through Preston University, like an art project. Um, and we did that, and 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 sort of he had to get them baked. It's called be baked. Right. You have to. You can get old tape um, that's basically ready to crumble and die. Um, all the magnetic stuff. If you open them or you try anything with them or unreal them, it's all gonna fucking die. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. They'll never get it back. And they'd do something where they put it in an oven. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they, put the, they put the tapes in an oven and then they get to record it. So the strange thing is, it's actually like an al- a live album now because it's slowly, it's kind of warped slightly. So right. it's out. It, you know what I mean? You can't DJ with it. You can't tell by listening to it, it's slowing up and slowing down. You just can't yeah. tell. It's crazy. But yeah, so we did that, put that out, and that's how, that's how, that's how. Um, 
And if you listen to it, you'll you'll see the big. I mean, this is pre Eminem. Mm-hmm. It's pre fucking Dr. Dre. You know what I mean? And if you listen to the you know the soul and the funk and the yeah. hip hop that's in there, you know what I mean? And like I say, it wasn't finished. So the raps on them aren't finished. You know what I mean? You know, they weren't finished. There was a good 30% needed doing redos. Mm-hmm. I had to lay down new vocals because they were just guide vocals. You know what I mean? Because of what I did, I thought, I thought the, the vocal uh, recording on the, the 808 State album was fucking garbage. <laughs> um, because they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me do anyway, whatever, but whatever. So I wanted to make sure that my raps sounded like the raps that I was lit, like run DMC raps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fucking, I wanted them, I wanted them, rec- I want multiple tracks running where I can pick me verses from. Yeah, yeah. And I want to comp it at the end of it, like the Americans. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and that's what happened. I did the guide vocals, came back to Manchester to sort of recuperate and whatever. And that shit with the baseball bat happened. And then that's why that, that album never came out. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? it and it the idea be. that nobody, but here's the killer, nobody wanted to sign the album. Now, mm. you listening to that album and you tell me whether I was blacklisted or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah, a good man. album, man. Like it's it. really yeah, good. There was man. nothing like it. There was nothing like it, Al. Nothing. Uh, and I reckon... It would have, it would have, it it would have got me to where I wanted to go, whether it would have made a million quid or whatever. But it definitely was the vehicle for my career. Yeah, separate from eight hundred eight state and a guy called Gerald and everybody else. So yeah, I was yeah. Uh, really fucking disappointed with the way that worked out. But you know, shit happens. Can't grumble. Could have been worse. I could have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> So what what do you think? Obviously, the there's lots of kind of Manchester based kind of rap kind of acts at the moment. Obviously, like in the grime grime scene, you get Bugsy Malone, yeah. I think, and you? you get that shorty horrors done. Yeah, I like shorty. I like shorty. Uh, I like the three wise men. I like the mouse outfit. Um. And I'm really shit with names, but there's a few. There's a there's a there's a, a young girl that's pretty good at doing like sort of R and B soul, but mm-hmm. you know she's a she's a real singer. She's got Baby Flacker. Right. Um, there's a couple of a uh, couple of good bands. These like the Rolling People. Um, they're pretty good. Um, oh, who else is it? Uh, what would they call now? The girl band. Oh. Why I'm so fucking shit with names. Yeah, that's all right, uh, no. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, I, I do like that. There's um, you know, I mean there's not a lot of good good rap. I'm not into the drill stuff. I don't like this. You know what I mean? You know, if if, if all I'm hearing is fucking gay gangster bullshit mm-hmm. that is fucking totally fantasy fantasyful. Do you know what I mean? I just tune out. I can't do it. And it's the same with auto-tune. The minute yeah. I hear I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so, unfortunately, 
that kind of fucking deletes. 80% of the music that's been coming out the last fucking 10 years. Uh-huh. There's not a lot left, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, yeah. I did get a lot of old school, funnily enough. Yeah, so I mean, you know I, I mean? Look on your Facebook, I've seen you DJing quite a bit. Obviously, a few episodes back, I had, as you spoke about, Roy Tanman Fletcher, who yeah. you... He had you on a remix, say one shot. Um, it was yeah. it was him that kind of told me about you in the first place. I, I'd never really. Yeah, yeah. So how did that come about? And well, I was locked down. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, it was horrible for everybody else. Uh, you know, what I mean, it was horrible. I'm a kid. Fucking hated it. But for me, it was kind of all right. I didn't mm-hmm. mind it. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a pain in the ass. That I couldn't go out and work, make money. Uh, I lost a lot of money over it, but like, as for like, you know, I'm a I'm a single dad, so you know, I there's a lot of there's a lot of cooking, there's a lot of cleaning, there's a lot of walking the dog, you know what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of shit, school shit, you know what I mean? And looking after your kid and all that going on. So weekends come, I started live streaming, uh, doing DJ live DJ streams which was mostly just me having fucking banter with everyone in the chat and doing a bit of a mix and then talking some shit. And uh, Roy kept popping up in, 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 in chat. And then I got a message going, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but me and my mates followed you home from town. We seen uh-huh. you at Eastern Black Records. I went, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, and you, you know what, mate? You were dead nice to us. You know what I mean? I think I shared a joint with him or something. Yeah, that, that's, um, a, that's the exact yeah. same story he told me. Aye, aye. So he's gone, well, you know, we want you, I've got a band, I'm in a band now, I've got, me, I've got a band, uh, and we'd really want you to rap on one of our tracks, but we can only pay you in weed. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> okay, let's do it. Uh, and then I did the, the rap. It's not the best rap, because I wrote, you see what he did, and, you know, I don't know if anybody else can, but I'm going to moan about it. Um, I mean, you know, it's a great track, but my rap's not very good, in my opinion. Right. Um, because I wrote it for a much slower track, so they sent me a track to write to, which was a lot slower, and um, the rap would have sounded totally different. It's totally different. Right. Do you know what I mean? But then it speeded up and I've had to change the flow of it. And he didn't tell me until I got into the studio. So it's too late to rewrite the song. So I'm always, I always moan at him for that. But um, yeah, yeah, no, but I've been friends with him ever since. And yeah. the weed was really good. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, it must be like you look at Roy as well. I mean, he's he's kind of late to the party. He's He's kind of lived his life and then decide it at the end. Yeah, because uh, and, yeah, and, and, and that's what that's what I love about that band. Um and they're the sort of people I do work with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for the love of the game. You know what I mean? You know, uh, you know, it's like when we, you know, we've had to we're moving premises at the moment, but me and my me and Anton Pell, who uh-huh. you talked about earlier, we opened a place called Mancunia Arts Centre where we were sort of doing really cheap rate cheap rates for like good rehearsal spaces for local bands. And um, we were doing uh, the Mancunia TV 
episodes live from there. We've had to we've had to pause everything for a bit. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, there's no money in it. No, you know what I mean, but it's for the love of the game. Yeah, well, that's you know? how you can see it. Like speaking to why he's 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 all get the same sheer passion for. Of bringing a project to life, and it really, yeah, that, yeah, 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 and giving people joy, and knowing that what you're doing is bringing people joy, because it's always that. See, that part of music isn't so important and hasn't been for the last twenty years, uh, more so now. The, you know, even with the darkest fucking Marilyn Mansell cradle of filth type, you know, you're still bringing pleasure to people's lives. Mm-hmm. Because you're doing what people want, you know, people want to hear it. It's a reciprocal relationship. You know, they're spending money. You know what I mean? So there's no, you, you sort of, you work on the level where it's, you know, it's, it's a two-way street. You know what I mean? You've got to give people things they want to hear and you've got to experiment and you've got to, understand what it is that you're doing, which is capturing emotion of whatever, uh, whether it's good, bad, crazy, whatever, you, and, and you try to invoke emotions in the person listening and write, draw pictures in the head. Yeah. And the amazing thing is everybody hears the song and it's all different. It means something to one person it's and you've definitely. got a right knowing that and, and, that's what fucking makes my dick hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know about... Obviously, you know, I need to live, I need to survive. But it, it was never about the money with me. It was about earning enough money to get the fuck out of where I was. Mm-hmm. Earn enough money to become independent, whichever path that took me. You know what I mean? Um, it was never just about... It was about escaping, and that—that's—that's that's just as much spiritual as it is monetary. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, the guys have got it fucking twisted nowadays. They think, you know, they've made it when they've got a record deal. No. Yeah, that's no. just the start. No, no, it's just the start, mate. And a lot of these youngins now—they've got followers. They've got fucking indip- and they still they sign it all away. All of it, you sign it away. You know what I mean? Kevin Hart's probably the only fucking guy that said, around and said, no, you're not having it to have. And he tried shaming him about that. But these young kids, man, they, they just sign it all the fucking way. They sign it all away because they think that that's, that's the level. And you don't understand how many of these people do not make any money. Yeah. They're living on the tip. You're a Scotsman. You fucking know. You don't live on the tip, man. No, I know. You know what I mean? Especially a corporation. You don't give a fuck about your tip. And the government tip. It's all I fucking say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. So, but, I mean, I get fire in my belly when I talk about it because I fucking love this shit. Yeah, I you love, can tell I, I, I like the fight. I fucking fight them all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? All day they come they ain't gonna what what can you do to me? There's nothing they can do to me. I'm already blacklisted. Fuck you, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So obviously looking on your Facebook and stuff, you've got a few kind of gigs coming up in the near future. Um yeah. 
which I'll I'll kind of I'll post links to your your Facebook and okay yeah cool brilliant I mean Instagram yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but but I I mean it's been an absolute pleasure having you on obviously yeah, man. the end of the podcast um, I ask my guest to put four heroes to come for dinner right um, I've kind of thought about this Spark one oh come here come here come on come here come here you weird dog come on oh get up your dog just Crying. My dog's away. I just took my dog for a haircut, so he's I have to pack him up after this. He's a good boy, Spider, aren't you, mate? <laughs> he's a big dog. He's a fucking donkey. <laughs> Massive fucking pitwiler, they call him. Right. Uh, yeah, half pitwiler, half rockwiler, half pit, half rockwiler, something. Anyway. <laughs> more heroes, right? More heroes okay. to come for dinner. What, what would you, why are your heroes and, and what would you cook them? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd have thought about this, so one of them's definitely got to be Prince. Uh-huh. I'd like to, I'd like to have Prince in there because, you know, he, 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 he did, he, he did the fight. He, he was a fighter. You know, they fucking owned him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when he did Paisley Park and he did that slave thing, wrote slave on his face. And fucking pissed everybody off and changed his name to Symbol just to fuck with Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. I mean, legend. Legend. Uh, I think um, uh, another one would be, I'd say, Hero. I'd say James Brown. Right. No, that's just because he was fucking crazy. And he's another anti-fucking establishment, real deal. Yeah. Shame the way it were, you know, shame that he was a raving cokehead. <laughs> but, you know, that's why Van Morrison's not in my top 10 anymore because he just became shit, got straight, and, oh, God, who wants to listen to that? <laughs> anyway. um, So, yeah, James Brown, for the simple... You know, for a lot of the same reasons... But I relate to him on a personal level. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? The uh, the whole idea of sort of building it up from absolutely fucking nothing. And he's, you know, and I've always kept his uh, philosophy of, look, everybody, everybody's playing the drums. You know what I mean? The drums play the drums, but the place he's playing, you're playing the drums. You're playing the drums, starts drums, horns drums, <laughs> stung drums, everybody's drumming. You know what I mean? We're playing drums, all of us. Uh, so I love that. Um, oh, God. We're getting fucking... I don't know. We're getting a bit... Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, oh, God. It's, like, tricky. It's okay, hard, so, it? Yeah, so, okay. Alex Jones. Uh-huh. I think, he, I think he's a bit of a hero. Uh, I know, yeah, Sandy Hook, he, you know, he said some shit and... He apologised for it, but the fact that they've just sued him for fifty trillion fucking dollars is just hilarious. <laughs> it's oh, some of the best trolling. I mean, that guy, you know, he gives zero fucks. Uh, I don't care if he's, you know, a shill for Israel. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about any of that. He started the fucking... He started this shit, the shit you're doing right now, what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. He started this shit, man. He started it. Um, and, you know, he's still there. 
and he's still telling everybody to fucking suck his dick, and I love it. So, and then, you know, so I love that, but I just, I just love it. I just fucking love that. So he's a hero for me. Right. Um, and you can see the common denominator between them all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last one would be uh, Jesus, I suppose. I mean, I'm not a born-again Christian, but fuck Dave, he was a bit of a, he's a bit of a fucking serious dude. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I love, I love, I love the idea that he, you know, some dude just pops up and goes right, all that bullshit, devil worshiping you've been doing <laughs> for the last fucking thousand years, all that shit's gone. It's devil worship. We're not doing that anymore. And then he tells, you know, he tells the banks, right, you're full of shit. So all this money, you know what I mean? All this money lending bollocks is fucking stopping. No more blood sacrifices, by the way. So we won't be chopping any foreskins off. Oh, man. The guy just fucking... Oh, mate. Jesus. No, Jesus. No wonder he fucking <laughs> killed him. I mean, fuck the water into wine. Who gives a fuck? This shit that he did trumps any of that other bollocks. It fucking... I don't even know why people are in watering around the fishes. Right, fine. Fine, I'll give you that. But did you know the other shit that he did? Oh, what a dude. So, yeah, <laughs> there's my four heroes. That's brilliant. That's absolutely Yeah. You gotta give Jesus a shout, man, because he was the original fucking he was the original anti-establishment. He was the boy, man. It, you know, he could have been a bit crazy. He could have been telling the truth. I don't know. But walking into that fucking temple and turning the table over, going, devil worshippers, Jesus, what a boy. Oh man, I can fucking love that shit. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And, and what you say, what are you, you going to cook all these boys? Sorry? What are you going to cook for them? What are you going to make them? What, uh, for dinner tonight? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got some, uh, I've got some pork chops there, different steel, I'm going to throw a bit of seasoning on them, stick them in the oven, uh, boil up some potatoes, make some gravy. That's that there shit. You there you go, we're jamming. Yeah, um, Aye, absolute pleasure having you on. I wasn't sure how this would go today because I, I wasn't big into you. I wasn't, I was yeah. recommended, but it's been an absolute pleasure having a, yeah, a half for yourself. Yeah, man, brilliant. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, you'll get me links to my Instagram and my Facebook in the uh, in the description. Uh, if you look on, you know, search Dust Junkies or MC Tunes, there's Loads of new stuff out there. New single called uh, Vehicle for Your Love. There's a video on YouTube. Um, just type in MC Tunes and I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me, man. Nice, well, nice talking to you, brother. Thank you Chess very much. Soon. Anytime. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes Podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. 
You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly, enjoy 